remain standing for the reading of the Word of God. Would you take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Acts, Acts in chapter number 1. We'd like to read the first 12 verses of the chapter responsively this morning. Allow me to begin reading in verse number 1. I'll read the succeeding odd-numbered verses through verse 11. Would you please read with me in unison verses 2 and the succeeding even-numbered verses through verse number 12. Once again, that's Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. And reading responsively. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times nor seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things... While they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. And now, Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit of God, take your words this morning and speak to our hearts. Lord, especially I pray a prayer blessing to this local assembly, Lord, this church that you died for, and the members of this assembly. Be with those that are amongst us this morning, Lord, maybe as friends or visitors or just just uh, visiting this morning, Lord, blessing each within the hearts of each person that's here, and we'll thank you for it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 1. Our text first is verse number 4. The Bible says, And being assembled, this is the early apostles, 120 of them, evidently, and being assembled together with them, commanded that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard from me. Verse 4, the first word saying, being assembled together. I was in uh, Jacksonville, North Carolina. That's the home of Camp Lejeune for the, uh, this past week. Sonny and I flew down after the Sunday night service. We had this planned several months ago. And... Uh, we flew back on Friday, saw the grandkids, saw Jonathan and Laura, of course, but we went to Maranatha Baptist Church for the first time in Jacksonville, and the pastor, we were there on Wednesday night, 
service. And the pastor preached a very simple message, very smart guy, but he preached a very simple message. He had brand new converts there. And as he was spoke, speaking, uh, it reminded me of the need to be simple, to be direct. And some folks said, maybe are brand new to Christianity, they need to hear this message. And for you folks that are upperclassmen, as I like to call you, uh, I think of the book that was written 50 years ago, All That I Ever Really Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Remember that book? Let me read to you just an excerpt from that. Most of, all, most of what I really need to know about how to live and what to do and how to be, I learned in kindergarten. Wisdom was not at the top of the graduate school mountain, but there in the sand pile at Sunday school. These things I learned. Share every, everything. Play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Take things that, don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. Wash your hands before you eat. Flush. Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Live a balanced life. Learn some and think some. And draw and paint and sing and dance and play and work, and work some every day. Take a, nap after, take a nap every afternoon. That's my favorite one. When you, go into, go, when you go out into the world, watch out for traffic. Hold hands. Stick together. Be aware of wonder. What we learned in Sunday school. Here in the genesis of the new church, and I'm referring to Acts, the book of Acts, the entire 28 chapters actually, but for time's sake, we have time to just look at a few verses, 14 to be exact, Lord willing, and uh, listen for the rest here in the minutes that we have. But the Bible says that this early New Testament church that they, they assembled together. They were in one. They were in unity. And I want to preach as simple a message as I can preach. And it shouldn't be hard for a simple guy like me to do that. But I'm going to try to keep the cookies on the bottom shelf for everybody this morning. For you first newbies and you upperclassmen as well. But the unity of the Spirit within the local New Testament church is an oft-repeated Bible command. The Scriptures command us to be in agreement over several things here. And this is a message proper, as I like to call it. And we see this, these phrases over and over again in this need, this call for the unity of the Spirit. After we read our text, verse, verse 4, we see verse 5, of course, and we read about the Holy Ghost there, and that the, the, the people would be baptized with the Holy Ghost, of course, that comes at Pentecost as we get to chapter 2. But I want you to notice there's some things that we can be in agreement over, and I want to have a very simple message. I'm, re- I'm preaching, first of all, to members of Harvest Baptist Church and uh, this new assembly that we have. You know, churches are like lives. We have ups and downs in lives. And uh, we're going through a downtime now. I'm just being honest with you, you folks that are brand new. And uh, uh, I could start naming names, Frank and Sarah, Mike and Emily, and, and you folks that are just kind of newer to our congregation. Uh, we're, uh, we've been losing people left and right. People have been moving south. Uh, kids have been going off to college. Snowbirds have been fleeing or flying away. And uh, we've had some, we lost some people from, from some other reasons, some sad reasons and some other reasons, whatever. But uh, we, we lost a lot of people in recent days, and that's just part of life. You go through ups and downs, of course, and I don't uh, say that to be negative or to bum you out or anything. Lord, Lord's in control of all these things here, of course. But I want you to know that we can be in agreement over some things. And I want you to notice verse number 14 of chapter number 1. Let me tell you, give you the first thing that we can all be in agreement over 
every member of Harvest Baptist Church and every friend of Harvest Baptist Church should be in agreement over this one thing here. Look at verse number 14. These all continued with one accord in what? Help me out. Prayer. Let's try that again. These all continued with one accord in what? Prayer. Prayer. And supplication. The Bible says, with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and with the, his brethren. Do you realize how incredible this verse was? There's no religion before Christianity. Religion was always... Uh, Secular-based, really man-based, talking about misogynistic or talking about uh, uh, a male-dominated religion. Most religions of the world are, are, are that. But in Christianity, Judaism was, of course, men prayed separately from women and so forth and had separate worship areas. And the Bible says that they, the women prayed. There's an equal priesthood of believers in Christianity with, between the men and the women. They're all one in Christ. But the Bible tells us that we are to pray, and we pray for power. And we pray that God will, because we can do nothing within ourselves with our, by our own strength. In fact, Jesus said in verse number 8 of the same chapter, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And so we need to pray for power in Acts chapter 4, verse 31. If you turn two pages in your Bible, just glance at the verse real quickly. Chapter 4, verse 31, please. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. They received Holy Spirit power and great things happened. Prayer moves the hand of God. The Bible tells us we ought to be in agreement over prayer. Ian Bounds, the great writer of the uh, 150 years ago, of course, wrote those books on prayer. He said, no prayer, no power. Little prayer, and little power. Much prayer, much power. Don't ever underestimate the power of prayer. And the power of having faith in our prayers that we pray to an all-powerful God. And so we see this, we need to be in agreement, Harvest Baptist Church, we need to pray. God will get us through this time, he's already gotten us through this time, and he'll get us through these, these days and weeks and months and years ahead in, in the way that he chooses fit, because uh, he's a good God that's, and, and will continue our prayer life. But then, back to Acts chapter 2, notice verse number 1. And by the way, these 13 more successive, just so you can follow the outline, we're just going to be turning progressively towards Revelation. So just keep turning towards Revelation as we, the verses will proceed, succeed each other, of course. Not only do we need to be in agreement over prayer as a, uh, as a local church, but we need to be in agreement over, look at verse number 2, or verse number 1 of chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, this special feast day for the Jews... They were all, notice this, with one accord in one place. Notice we ought to be in agreement over assembling together. Assembling together. Our text verse for the whole year has been Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is, but exhorting ourselves and so, exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Church attendance across America is becoming less and less and less. I'm not, and I, let me preface this, I'm not, I'm not suggesting for one moment here. I know, I have dear pastor friends, there's wonderful churches that don't have Sunday night services, for example. We do, for whatever reason we do, and I'm glad we do. But there's some churches that don't have Sunday nights, some churches don't have Wednesday nights. They do other things and so forth. And I'm not throwing stones at anybody, that's all fine and well. But we ought to have, we ought to decide that we need to be in the house of God every time we can be in the house of God. God has a plan A to win the world to Christ. And it's through his local New Testament church. And he needs no plan B. God has, a, God has a, ordained a local assembly. This is a called out assembly. The word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia, which means called out assembly. 
And we, in order to be called out assembly, we need to come together, and not invisibly, but visibly, and gather together and decide that we're going to worship together. There's going to come a day in your life and probably my life as well, when, and there's already a day in many of our families' lives in our church where they can't be at church. We got members this morning at the nursing home. We got members that are bedridden, their house, their shut-ins, we call them. And there's going to come a day when you can't come to church. Some of you can't come on Sunday nights even if you want to. You can't drive at dark. I get it. Some of you can't come on Wednesday nights. You've got to work. I get it. But by the grace of God, we ought to agree that God's children ought to be in the house of God when they can be. When they, not because they have to be, but because they want to be. And so there, we ought to be in agreement over prayer. That prayer, no prayer, no power. We can't do anything in our own strength. Little prayer, little, little power. Much prayer, much power. We ought to be in agreement that prayer, prayer changes things. We ought to be in agreement over assembling together. Thirdly, Acts chapter 2, go to verse 42, please. It's a word that some people don't understand or don't like in some cases. But I'm referring to Acts 2, 42. And they, this is a church, the 120 of them that turned into 3,120 according to the previous verse. And they continued steadfastly in what? In the apostles' what? Doctrine and fellowship and in breaking bread and in prayers. They continued steadfastly in doctrine. There's a foolish concept out there by a certain uh, group of, uh, can I say, kindly ignorant churches and people, Christians that name the name of Christ, that doctrine divides and love unites. We have people who want to tear down the walls. But I want you to know that the doctrine is important. Bible says, "Thou shalt know the doctrine that you're able to." Uh, Paul said that we rather. Paul said in First Thessalonians four eleven or First Timothy four eleven, these things command and teach in regards to doctrine. Jude said in Jude chapter three or Jude, verse three rather that we should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered to the saints. We could go to Ephesians four and for time's sake turn not don't turn there, but Ephesians four verses six and seven we read about or verses 4 through 6 to be exact, we read about what's sometimes called the seven unities. The Bible says there's one body. Now the universal church, for the record, has never met, not one time, it's never met, it won't meet until we all get to heaven, until Jesus takes us home in what's called the rapture. And then, then the church will be united together. But right now there is no such thing as a universal church, it's being assembled right now. There's one body this is our body, by the way, the local New Testament church here at Harvest Baptist Church. There's hundreds of other, thousands of other bodies that's true. But there's one body in Christ, and that's true as well. And every believer in Christ is, is blood-bought and blood-washed, and I'm, a, I'm related to them. And if you're saved, you're related to them as well. We love the brethren. So the Bible teaches us there's one body. There's one spirit, not several spirits. There's one Holy Spirit of God. One hope, one blessed hope that Jesus Christ is coming again. There's one Lord, not three lords, one Lord. We believe in one God manifested in three persons. This greatest mystery of godliness. There's one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is above all and through all and in you all. The seven unities of the faith. Doctrines are very important. What you believe about Jesus Christ is the difference between heaven and hell. But you believe that if you don't believe Jesus Christ can wash away your sins, if you never call upon Christ as your Savior, you can't be saved. The Bible says that we must be born again. We must receive Jesus as our Savior. That's Bible Doctrine 101. We've got to be saved, born again. That's 
Jesus said the words, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. There's, there's simple doctrine. We need to be in agreement over the foundational, fundamental, cardinal doctrines of the faith. But then back to Acts chapter 2, number 4, or point number 4, the, the fourth thing we can be in agreement over. Acts 2 and verse number 46 it is. I already read it once. Or verse uh, 42, rather. They had fellowship. And we see they continued daily, verse 46, with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house to eat their meat with gladness and, uh, and singleness of heart. They had agreement over fellowship. Fellowship is one of those, that's Christian lingo. The world, world doesn't use the word fellowship. world has parties. The world has get-togethers. world has meetings where they have friends or acquaintances, but Christians have fellowship. There's certain words that are, quote-unquote, to Christian words. I was watching a little bit of football last night. I was watching the Georgia Bulldogs last night. I don't like the Georgia Bulldogs because they're going to probably face up against my Ohio State Buckeyes, and I want my Buckeyes to win. But I didn't like the Georgia Bulldogs because uh, Jake Fromm is their quarterback, and I always thought he was kind of cocky. I never heard him speak, but somehow I just got in my mind, maybe just because he's a Bulldog, he's cocky. So after the service, or after the, the game, rather, uh, they, they beat uh, Auburn in a close game, and they interviewed uh, Jake Fromm, and he said, he said, I just want to praise God, he says, uh, and then he started saying, it was a blessing that we won, we shouldn't have won, they were a great team, and so forth, and, and just those code words, so the word blessing, the word, uh, I think he used the word grace, and he used the phrase, praise God, I realized, I think he's a brother in Christ, I think he's saved, and all of a sudden I like at least one Georgia Bulldog, but I hope he still gets beat by the Buckeyes. But I, I said, I, I like him. He was talking Christian language. We have a fellowship that the world doesn't know about. Again, I'd be a little bit careful, but I'm quite confident my two brothers won't hear this message online. I'm pretty sure of that. I have two brothers, Bob and Gary are their names. I love them, and I, I believe they'd love me and with a filial uh, love, a sibling love. And uh, we were together for the first time a couple weeks ago, first, first time in over 40 years since we were teenagers together, the three of us at the same time. I've been with Bob and I've been with Gary at separate times, but never the three of us together. If they don't know the Lord as their Savior, and as soon as we, the three of us got together, Bob and Gary had this, their, their own affinity with one another. And I'll just say it this way, in a, what the world would call the salty language started coming, language that they're used to and so forth. And Now, I love my brothers and they love me, I really believe, but... Uh, instantaneously I realized that there's a fellowship that we're missing. A fellowship that I have a closer fellowship with many of you in this room. In fact, virtually all of you even know the Lord is your Savior than I do with my own blood brothers. There's a fellowship that we enjoy that the Bible says we need to be in agreement over that's closer than the, the, the blood bond of uh, siblings or, or even a mother or father. There's, a, there's a blood, one blood in Christ. And so we see this Fellowship, we should be in agreement over. This doctrine, we should be in agreement over. This prayer and this assembling together, we should be in agreement over. But then, Acts chapter 4, verse 24, please. And I know I'm trying to hurry through, but I'm trying to get to the punchline of the message at the end, of course. Acts chapter 2, uh, Acts chapter 4, excuse me, verse 24. The Bible says, as soon as I get there. And when they heard, this is a church, when, after Peter and John healed the, and were, were healed the lame man and were released from the religious crowd, they were, they were beaten and 
released for their crime of healing a man in the name of Jesus, speaking in the name of Jesus. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord, there it is again, and said, Lord, thou art God, who hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in, that in them is. They began to praise the Lord. We need to be in agreement over giving praise to the Lord. Did you know the largest book in the Bible? What would that be, by the way? Help me out. Psalms. The largest book in the Bible is a song book. It's a song book. We have our song hymnal in the racks that we've been singing from, and we sing every service from those or on the screen, what have you. They had a song book, and that song book was filled with praises. They memorized those Hebrew songs and those Hebrew psalms. And, of course, Psalm 150, the last psalm, it ends with the verse number six. And not everything that hath breath, praise ye the Lord, praise ye the Lord. My uh, Christians need to be, we need to be in agreement over praising the Lord. This is a Baptist church. I think everybody knows that it's on the sign. Brother Jim did a great job in Sunday school this morning. He mentioned about our Pentecostal friends and brethren. We worship a little bit differently. And sometimes we can we get loud. And for example, let me, let me uh, bait you. Here we go. Ready? And all God's people said... This, that was good. Uh, amen. Let's see. Uh, let's do PTL. Ready? Praise the Lord. Let's try that again. Ready? Praise the Lord. Amen. We're, we're not Pentecostals, but we're Baptists, but we can pray. It's, uh, worship is a universal thing. Baptists can even do it. And, you know, I'm not a very uh, outgoing, bombastic person myself. When I'm sitting in the pew listening to another preacher, I'm not a big amen or myself. But uh, I should praise the Lord. We were down in... Down with the grandkids and my Olivia, I have an affinity for the three-year-olds right now. Olivia, I call her Pebbles. You know, some of you know that. She talks like Pebbles. She looks like Pebbles. At least in my mind, she does. She's got that one one bony ponytail of hers, and she talks in her three-year-old voice. And she was singing her favorite song now, and I won't I won't torture you, but she sang the song, "Praise Him, Praise Him, Praise Him in the morning, Praise Him in the evening, Praise Him, Praise Him, Praise Him when the sun goes down." But she was singing at the top of her lungs, and I, I, she was out of key really bad. But for Grandpa, she sounded beautiful, sounded wonderful. And uh, we need to give praise to the Lord. We need to be in agreement of that. We're, 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 we're called to be, to the, be to the praise of his glory. We're called to praise him. We're going to go to heaven for all eternity and learn to praise him forever and ever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you. Very good. You're doing, you're doing good. We're turning Pentecostal around here. Then, then I want you to notice that this unity, this like-mindedness, this all in one accord in one place, that we need to be in agreement over chapter 4 and verse 32. It says it this way. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart. This whole church, they were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them of the odd of the things which, which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common. There was, we had to be in agreement over unity. Oneness, common ground, like-mindedness. Now the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, let me do this quickly. The Bible says that God divided the light from the day. There's a division between the day and the night. There's a division between heaven and hell. Division between the saved and the unsaved. Division between the goats and the sheep. God, all the way through the word of God, the Bible speaks about Separation. This is a called out assembly, called out from the world. We are to separate ourselves from the world and come the first day of the week and worship together. Called out from the world. The Bible teaches separation, but the same Bible that teaches separation teaches unity. 
And teaches unity, first of all, the brethren. Unity that we all may be one, as Jesus prayed in the intercessory prayer in John chapter 17. That we all may be one as we are one, he said. He prayed to the Father. And so there's unity. We need to work at unity in a divided, broken world. Most of us, and in fact, they say most of us. Let me rephrase that. Let me say it more accurately. All of us. All of us have broken families. All of us have sin that's divided and, and caused schism in our lives, in our families' lives, in our own lives. We're all sinners by choice, aliens by birth, or aliens by choice, rather, sinners by birth. We're all, we're all broken vessels, but God calls his church to be of unity. God calls us to praise him, even praise him in the good days and praise him in the bad days. God calls us to fellowship not more but less, or rather not less but more, rather. God calls us to be uh, in agreement over doctrine and assembling together and in prayer. But then number seven, go to Acts chapter five. Now, in case you didn't know, I think you all know, Acts is in the New Testament. It's not the Old Testament. Acts five, we have a story here of Ananias and Sapphira. I don't know this for a fact, I'm, I'm admitting that I'm not a scholar in so many ways in regards to the Bible. I think they were Christians. I think they're in heaven. I don't know that. They could have been imposters. But they lied to the Holy Ghost. And God, well, let's be honest with you, what happened? God doesn't do this very often, but God killed them. Uh, and then we read in Acts chapter 5, verse number 12, And by the hands of the apostles... Well, Peter spoke the words and Ananias fell dead. And then Sapphira fell dead. By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. For they were all with one accord, there it is again, in Solomon's temple. And the rest durst not join himself to them. Uh, for the people magnified God. People were afraid of this holy church. We ought to be in agreement over holiness. I know we're not living in the Old Testament. We don't have rules and regulations and, uh, like the, the Old Testament has. I understand that. But the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation or lifestyle. Because it is written, Be ye holy, as, for I am holy. Now, let me spell it out. Let me make it real simple here. Like I said, I was trying to be... If you are saved, if you've been born again, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are now a saint, right now. Now, a saint is a sanctified one. You are pronounced holy, clean. God looks at you like I look at my grandchildren, as I've said it many times. Perfect. That's how God looks at us. But our, from our positional place of sanctification to our practical place, there's a, sometimes I'm afraid of a world of difference. God has called us. Would you all agree that God's called us to be holy and all God's people said? Amen. Amen. It's true. Go to Acts chapter 15. I have to hurry here. We're on a time schedule this morning. Acts chapter 15. Verse 25 will suffice. A number of verses could be used just using the key text verse for... Each of these verses here. 
It seemed good also, or it seemed good unto us, being assembled, here it is again, with one accord, to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. We would go to Acts chapter 13, verses 3 and 4, and many other verses in Philippians, and several verses in Acts, and we could talk about, we ought to be in agreement over missions giving. I was just down, uh, the first time I've ever been on the Camp Lejeune base. Well, I tell you, anybody been in Camp Lejeune before besides the Marines? All the Marines have been there. 44,000 Marines on Camp Lejeune. The money, I mean, the, Camp Lejeune is, is larger than Torrington, way larger than Torrington. I don't know how large it is, but it's massive. It's huge. I heard, uh, I was out one morning and I heard it, bum, 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 from 20 miles away. And I heard, da, 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 da. I says, I, my son-in-law came out and I said, John, is that what I think it is? I said, oh, yeah. yeah they're firing ordinances. They're firing you know, practice. Uh, Camp Lejeune's a, a big place. And the point is, you say, what's the point, preacher? We spend not millions, not hundreds of millions. We spend billions of dollars, and I'm glad we do, of our taxpayer money to fund our, our military. Then we may be the strongest military in the world. And we're thankful for that. Most of us Americans are, at least. And all God's, all God's Americans said, Amen. <laughs> I'm baiting you too much here, but that's their job to protect us. The government's job is to, to, to provide for a well-ordered defense, of course, a military. But our job is back in that back world board there I'm looking at with those 22 lights. We have 22 missionaries all around the world. 22 in a world of 7 billion people. Not too many. But we're one of those churches that are sending Somebody gave, uh, just for the record, I don't find out who gives around here. I've never found that out for, uh, Allison has taken over the roles of uh, keeping in accountingship of that. And then, of course, we have our financial firm out in New Jersey that does our books proper. But uh, I've never found out who gives. But somebody gave a large love offering to missions last week. I don't know who you were. I don't know how big it was. It was several hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, six hundred dollars, thousand dollars. But you see the money that was given to missions. It was given out of a heart, cheerful heart. It's called Faith Promise Missions in our, in our context from 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. But we ought to be in agreement that we need to fund missions. I don't have to ask you people to, I, I ask you, but I don't have to beg you. I don't have to, 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 to uh, coerce you, plead with you. The Holy Spirit of God works in your heart and you decide, by the grace of God, I want to give above and beyond my tithes. I want to give to the world, cost of world missions. We've got to be in agreement over that. Hebrew, or rather, Romans, let's get out of Acts and go to Romans chapter 15, verses 5 and 6 for time's sake. And yes, I'm trying to hurry for the next few minutes here. Hang with me, please. Uh, ninth thing that we can all be in agreement over, this New, New Testament body of Christ here called Harvest Baptist Church. In Romans chapter 15, verses 5 and 6, now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus that ye all be of one mind and one mouth glorifying God even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now for you that do not know the context of chapter 15, these two verses, the context is following all of chapter 14 in verses 1 to 5 of chapter 15. The Christian liberty chapter, major, major section of the Bible that's regards to Christian liberty. The Bible says in Galatians 5.13, let me quote you one more verse. For brethren, you have, not, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. I have to afford Christian liberty. Let me 
Let me tell you, and I, I, let me just get a specific so you understand where I'm coming from. I, I've been preaching for a good while now. You might be able, not be able to tell that, but I've been preaching for a long time now, 34, 34 years as a pastor. In my early years as a pastor, I said that the Bible says that, that it's wrong for man to ever take a drink of hard liquor and take a drink of alcohol. I now humbly admit that I don't know if I can defend that necessarily from the Bible. If you can defend it from the Bible, I'm proud of you, good for you. I'm not sure that we can. I know the Bible says, look not upon the wine that is red. This I know for sure. The Bible speaks very negatively about strong drink. This I know for sure. I've seen it in my own family's life. I've seen it in many people's lives, dozens and really hundreds of people's lives, that alcohol, first a man takes a drink, and then many times the drink takes the man. I've seen, you don't have to live long in life to know, in America, to know that alcohol is a beloved enemy of so many people and has destroyed so many lives. I don't think, what am I saying? I'm giving you one example. I don't think it's good for Christians to drink. On purpose, I just paused, waiting for one little amen. I didn't get a one, I didn't get a one amen. I don't think you should do it. Can I prove it? From the Bible? I'll give you a maybe at best. But for the cause of Christianity, for the sake of Christ, I think there's some things in Christian liberty that we need to forego and say we're not going to partake if we're going to... Paul said this way, 1 Corinthians 8, 13, if you want a verse. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend. Paul knew that there was no problem at all with eating meat that had been offered to idols. He had no problem with it at all. But he said, wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no meat while the world standeth. He says, I won't do it. Some things are better left undone for the cause of Christ. I think we need to agree that in regards to Christian liberty, that we need to agree to disagree. Everyone in this room has a different ism or a different thing, a hobby horse or a thing that you're strong on or something that maybe you're supposedly to somebody else weak on. But we've got to learn to let others have Christian liberty. That's okay. You don't have to think. I'm not asking you to think like me. I'm asking you to think like, I want you to get the mind of Christ, the mind of the Spirit of God. That's what I'm trying to do, and I want you to do that too. I don't want you to get Marty Schott's mind. You'd be in big trouble if you get my mind. I want you to get the Spirit's mind. That's what I'm asking you to do. And so this agreement over Christian liberty, uh, 10, 11, and 12, let me go through them real rapid fire here without giving you all the verses. Number, Number 10, we ought to be in agreement over church oneness. 1 Corinthians 1.10, and I'm paraphrasing, talks about there's divisions and schisms among you. Church oneness. Listen, now this is hard to say, but I'm going to try, and try, to, try to soften it as best I can soften it. Many people that need, could need to hear this are not here to hear it this morning. But if you have division in your own family... And I've said this many times, but it's true. Tonight we're going to preach on forgiveness, by the way. If you have division in your own family, if you have odd against a brother or sister, and you have division that's caused total separation and alienation, it won't be long before you that division and alienation happens at the house of God. Pardon me, let me just be blunt. If you can throw out your relative, you can throw out anybody at the house of God. You can throw out every pastor there's ever been. You can throw out every church that's ever been. Harvest Baptist Church is full of problems. We got 
we'll say we have 90 or 100 here this morning here. Say, we'll say even 100. We got 100. We got 100 people with 100 problems. Everybody's got problems. And the Bible calls us to work at church oneness and to love one another. Number 11, we need to be in agreement over our care for the hurting. When one suffers, we all suffer. Martha Williams is not in our service this morning. Martha's very quiet. She sits right where Paul and Betty sit. Or Excuse me, let me try that again. Mark and Gail sit. Excuse me, I'll get it. Uh, and Martha sits with Pat. Pat's not here this morning. Pat's her caregiver. Martha's up at Litchfield Woods. I don't know if she's going to get out. Martha's, she's older than I am, I'll say it that way. In fact, she's quite a few years older than I am, to be honest with you. And she's got Alzheimer's, probably. Dementia, whatever it is. Cecile, Cecile was here this morning. She's going to go up and see her this afternoon. Thank God for her. I call, I'm calling Cecile Pastor Cecile lately. She's been doing a lot of pastoring work. I appreciate that. But we need to care for one another when we're hurting. Then... Uh, Number 12, there ought to be peace among the brethren. Peace among the brethren. We ought to agree on that. If it be all possible, live peacefully with all men. Peace among the brethren. I would like to say more about that, but let me go on to give you 13 and 14 and get to the punchline of the message. We ought to be in agreement over the Great Commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Acts 1.8, that you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. We have the message. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Spread the message all around. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Tell the nations. Tell the individual. Tell the friend. Tell, tell your loved one. Tell your friend. Tell your neighbor. The Great Commission. We ought to be in agreement that we have a message that only the church can give. The public school can't give it. Government can't give it. Your, uh, the college isn't going to give it. God's called us to give it as a local New Testament church. Believers and brethren together fulfill this great commission. It leads me to the so-called last point, but then the, the, the wrap it all up and gift wrap it and put it and give it to you here. Philippians 2 and verse number 2 says, Fulfill ye my joy that ye may be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. We ought to be in agreement over brotherly love. The song said, and they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. I have seven verses. I'm not going to read them to you. I have seven verses that we have a commandment given. John 13, 34. Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. And six more verses. God, Jehovah God, the Lord Jesus Christ, or the Spirit of God says, commands us to love one another with a pure heart fervently. Why don't you turn to one last passage of scripture, and that is Ephesians chapter 4. Would you turn there, please? Ephesians chapter 4. If you know how to get in there in your Bible, please turn there. If you, if you don't have a Bible or you have a hard time reading nowadays, just listen carefully, please. Ephesians 4. For the third and last time, I'm, I'm, I want to be real simple, real basic. If I were to ask you, how many of you remember what I preached last week and asked, raise your hand? Don't do it. I don't want to be humiliated. We can't remember very long, but I want you to remember just a little sound bite this morning in regards to unity of the Spirit. 
in his local New Testament church. The whole chapter of Ephesians 4 could be read, but time only permits us to look at three verses. Verse 32, the last verse will do to begin with. The Bible says, And be ye kind one to another. Jesus was kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. In the preceding verses, it talks about forbearing one another. I have six F's, and I'll just give them to you real quick, down on the worksheet, of course. But the Bible tells us we are to forgive one another. We are to forbear, give forbearance one to another. We're long-suffering, by the way. We were to forget the faults of one another and hopefully pray that they'll forget our faults towards them and ask for forgiveness if we need to or say, I'm sorry. We need to forge forward with one another. We need to foster love with one another. Folks, this is... Well, let's look at verses 2 and 3 here and we'll summarize and be done. Ephesians 4, 2 and 3. With all lowliness, humility, and meekness. Meekness is strength under control. With long-suffering, there's forbearance. Forbearing one another, how? In love. Now look at verse number three. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I'm trying to be as transparent as I can be, and I know we have some guests here and some new newbies, some of you folks that just started coming the last few weeks here, so so forth. But uh, God's been so good to our church in these last many years now. Three buildings in a soundbite, if I can eclipse 34 years and 34 seconds. God's been so good to us in so many ways and taken us from nothing to where we are today. There's a day when we were a lot of more people in this auditorium for sure. And now I'm tattling. And that's, that's, life has ups and downs and so forth. And I, I'm happy with the crowd that we have now. There was a day when we had standing room only in some cases. And uh, we preached to 300 plus people. Those days are kind of gone by the wayside. And not just by our church and somebody said ministry loves company. But churches across America, churches used to run 500 or run 250 Churches run 100 or running 50. It's all across the nation, and I'm painting with a broad brush. There's, there's exceptions, of course, to the rule. God's been good to us. Jesus said it this way, though. In the last days, he said, well, will, he find, will the Lord comes, will he find faith on the earth? The Bible says, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. You know, I've said it literally a thousand times, probably 2,000 times, but I'll say it again. We're far from a perfect church. There's a lot better churches right probably in our area. I understand that. We pray for other good gospel preaching churches, and they're all around us. There's several right here in our backyard. Thank God for them. We love them, and, and uh, we'll spend eternity in heaven together, to, together. But this is our church. Let me try to say it this way. I have my family. It's my family. You have your family. It's your family. Nothing can replace that family. Now, I know God's in... Hey, Tim and Linda Butler will be with us tonight. The Waddells will be with us tonight. Those stinkers, they moved off to Pennsylvania on us. No, God called them there. Hearts are in Tennessee this morning. The Brewers are in Pennsylvania this morning. On and on we could go. 
God calls people and people move. People are trying to get out of Connecticut. We get it. We all understand that. I'm not referring to those people. Uh, If God calls you to move somewhere, follow the call of God and move and find a good gospel preaching church and serve him with the whole heart, full heart fervently. But until God calls you, say, this is my home. As flawed as we are, say, by the grace of God, we're going to serve God here. Make the best of the situation. Make the best of the church. And God will bless in a great way. And so what's the punchline of the whole message? What am I trying to say here? It took me 40 minutes to get to the 30-second punchline. Here it is. Work really hard, members of Harvest Baptist Assembly. That's church. Work really hard through the Spirit. You see, through our own flesh, we can do nothing. It's all vain. We have to work in the Spirit. We have to live in the Spirit. Work, very hard, work really hard through the Spirit to love the brotherhood. And all God's people said, Amen. love the brotherhood. Especially those in your local church. Last song, but we're done. Love your family. Love your church. God's been good to us. I'm sorry. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your love to us. Lord, thank you for blessing our church in a wonderful way. Lord, we think of many dear friends. Lord, we better not start counting the, num- the names of people that you call to other places. We wish them your blessings. I think of Betty Slanaker, Lord, because we just saw Betty a few days ago. Bless her as she's in church running a bus ministry in North Carolina. Lord, bless, I dare not start naming all the names of many people that have moved on. Bless them in a wonderful way. We miss them. But help us to be about your business. Lord, bless your church. It's not our church. We just get to be a part of it. Bless your church. Bless our families. May we be a blessing in our family. May we be a blessing in our church. Do a work of grace that only you can do in hearts and lives this morning. In the moments of invitation, I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together and turn to page number 23 it is. Yes, it is.